This morning, as you came in, maybe you will meet some folks who have some envelopes like these, or someone will find you in a foyer in a hallway and hand you an envelope with your name on it. And that envelope will contain a uh, assignment, a prayer pal assignment for this coming school year. Uh, Sandy and Becky got those all prepared, and uh, they are distributing those today to everyone that they can find, save a few stamps, and uh, whatever they have left, they will mail out. Obviously, it'll probably go out on Tuesday since of the Labor Day holiday. I mentioned that to say there are a few things in that envelope, whether you receive it today or if you're not here today and you're watching this at a later time, and you get that envelope in the mail, there's a couple things I want to direct your attention to. Number one, you're going to get the letter which has your assignment in it, who your prayer pal is, what grade they're in. Uh, second is you're going to get a, a, uh, a list of topics to pray for. I personally keep this at my desk. I have an alarm that goes off every day at a certain time, and I pray for my prayer pals, and I try to, to use that guide if I don't have something specific to pray about. Um, also, this year will be a, uh, a what, what just looks like a white square from your vantage point, but is actually a magnet that is made for you to put a picture of you and your prayer pal, uh, and you can slip it right inside and put that on your refrigerator or put that at some place where you have a metal place to stick it to, and uh, just be reminded every time you see that picture to pray for them. So we're excited for that and excited to have that resource. That resource is there for you to do one simple and yet powerful thing, as James says. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I bring that up also to admonish you just a little bit. There are still, I think, about 15 students who do not have prayer pals. That's why the boxes are still at the door. Uh, They're still waiting on someone. And that's not good. With a congregation our size, with a congregation who's committed to being intergenerational, uh, it's time to step up. And so if you haven't done that, uh, just send a, a quick text. I, I won't even give you a hard time about it. Uh, uh, text me or, or email the office or, or just fill out one of those blue forms on the way out. Let's get that taken care of today so that we can have all the assignments mailed out in the mail. We shouldn't have a single student without a prayer pal, and um, we really do need your help. Um, if you're able to, you want to double up on prayer pals, be even better. I, I would like for us to not have to solve it that way because I know there's enough people Now, I I know, and I'll just give you a little more, I'm going to twist, I've got your arm in in a twist here, I'm going to put another 90 degrees on it. So so some people get a little like, okay, they they see all these amazing prayer pals, and they go to the ball games, and they go to plays and musicals, and they go to all of this stuff, And, and if you do that, that's fine, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, I'm just saying that's not what we're asking of you. What we're asking of you is to pray faithfully, sincerely, for another student at Northside every day. We want you to introduce yourself so they know who you are, and, and likewise. Um, and we'll also have a little form in there that has a, like a get-to-know-you form to help with that. But, but really, at the core of it, we just need you to pray. And we have so many faithful prayers that if you've been reluctant to sign up to be a prayer pal because you're like, well, I don't drive, I don't get out, I'm not, I'm not able to do this or that, uh-uh, you're missing the point of prayer pals. It's right there in the name, prayer pals, okay? 
So if you haven't done that, please do that. Let's get all those assignments done today. And when you get that assignment, begin to introduce yourself, make yourself known to your prayer pal. Even if you've had them before, um, uh, make that introduction. Ask for things you can pray about. Get the introduction form. Have them fill it out. That'll be a good thing. Not just for you, not just for your prayer pal. It's good for Northside. There was a man who was traveling through a town and he came upon a a construction zone, um, probably looking something like Kellogg for, I don't know, ever. Um, Along this, in this construction zone, there were men who were uh, principally at, at first sight doing the same thing. As he walked along this construction zone, he came upon the, the first man who was, who was doing exactly what's in the picture here. He was a mason, and he was putting out the bricks. And he said, can I ask what you're doing? The mason replied, well, I'm, I'm laying bricks. So he walked a little farther on the same project. He saw another man principally doing the same thing as the previous. He said, well, can I ask you, what are you doing? He said, well, I, you see, I'm, I'm making a wall. Ah, he, he had a little grander perspective. It wasn't just about laying bricks. It was about setting up a wall. He walked on a little farther, and he come by a third bricklayer who was working feverishly. He said, what, sir, may I ask, are you doing? He said, I am constructing a cathedral whose heights will reach to the heavens and where people will come from all over to worship the Almighty God. You see, those three men, they were doing, at first glance, all three doing the same thing. But they had a very different perspective on what it was they were really doing. Today, we finish up a series called Faithful. And as we finish up this series, we're going to talk about our work. Being faithful in our work on Labor Day weekend, I thought that was probably a good thing to talk about. Our trade, if you will. Do you think of your work, whatever it is, whatever you're going to go off to to do tomorrow or Tuesday, uh, do you think of that truly as a blessing from God? Or do you think of it as just kind of a burdensome, weary thing to kind of get through? How do you think of the words T-G-I-F? Oh, thank God, it's Friday. I'm just, now I'm, I'm getting through. Or do you really... Thank God that you have a a job, that you have a calling, that you have a career, that you have a vocation. Are you being faithful in your work? That's the question I want to ask this morning. 1 Corinthians 4.2 is kind of what we've been thinking about over the past several weeks as we've thought about being faithful with the blessings that God gives us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. In fact, I've had you read part of it. I'd just like all of us to read this together. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Now, you sound like a, uh, a Monday morning crowd here this morning. Uh, let's try it again. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. So we've talked about our time, being faithful with our treasure, being faithful with our talents, being faithful with our tribe, uh, being faithful in our trade is what we're talking about today. Does your work, whether it's full-time or part-time or volunteer, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or student or retiree, 
the work that you engage in, do you use that in a way that glorifies Almighty God? Or is it just a job? You're building a cathedral? You're just putting some bricks down. Are you just living hand to mouth? Or are you living from the hand of God and the blessing that he gave you in the work that you're doing? You and I know a man who wrote most of this New Testament, many, much of the last 27 books of the Bible. We know him as Paul the Apostle. The early church initially knew him as Saul the Prosecutor. But he was also known as the Tent Maker. Now, if you'll, if you'll stop to think that, of course, we know Paul the Apostle. But did you stop to consider that both being a tent maker and being an apostle were opportunities for Paul to glorify Almighty God. Whether it was penning epistles to go to churches or weaving and, and sewing together tents from animal skins to sell at the marketplace, he had an opportunity to glorify God in what he did. May we, in the same way, Consider our work, whatever it is, and however often we do it, as part of the divine work. May we see ourselves as cathedral builders, not just as bricklayers. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 today. If you want to open your Bible, that's basically where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible of your own, grab one of those pew Bibles and turn to page 1,200. And 62, that's where you're going to want to put your Bible ribbon or your finger or, or that's where we're going to work from today because the Apostle Paul addresses the subject of how Christians should work in their trade. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 22. And I'm reading from the ESV. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Now, the word there, slaves, in the NIV, in ESV, is bondservants, those who were obliged, committed to working. You may not think of your work as slavery or as being a servant of someone but this is a, the idea, the biblical idea of bondservant is closer to someone who must go to work, who has no option about it. The bumper sticker way of saying that is, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. You would be a bondservant. You, you work for a purpose, and sometimes we think that purpose is just about a, a paycheck, a, a commission, a, a promotion, uh, working my way up the ladder, but that's, that's not what work primarily is about. You see, you show your reverence to God by how you work. You say, reverence, that's a, that's a word for right here, isn't it? Aren't we supposed to be reverent in worship? Yes, yes, that's true. But there's, a, there's an aspect of daily worship. And the scripture says that we should do so with reverence of the Lord. The ESV says to do that uh, fearing the Lord. You show your devotion to God in your work. You show your reverence for God by how you work. Now, think about it like this. If your boss says the work day starts at 9 o'clock, 
and you kind of meander in at 9 o'clock, get in the parking lot, you know, kind of scroll through Facebook, a couple things, get your coffee, meander in, 9.03, you know, chit-chat, 9.06, you know, it's, it's about, you know, take a bathroom break, kind of get yourself sorted out, and it's 9.30, and you're just starting to get to work. Well, if I may be so abrupt, you're being irreverent. Not because you're dishonoring your boss, because you're dishonoring the boss. You see, if you're, if you're abusing the trust that they put in you, if you're abusing what you're there to do, if you're abusing that, you are abusing the blessing of God. You show your devotion to God in your work. You know, anybody can work when the boss is around. That's not hard to do. Several years ago, uh, we were working to get out of debt, and I had two jobs, and um, I was working. My second job was Pizza Hut. And um, I'm just a person who's very task-oriented, if you don't know that about me. I have a hard time not having something to do. And so whenever you're not delivering pizzas, you're supposed to be doing something. And so if it wasn't washing dishes, it was folding pizza boxes. And I'd stand over here, and you have this flat piece of cardboard, and I'd just stand there and just do that. That was just, and, and it was good. And then they'd say, Toby, you're up. And I'd go out and take the pizza to the next place. And one particular day, I'll never forget this, I, I came in and like I was looking for something to do. And I couldn't find, I mean, there was like three guys going, huge stacks of boxes. I went over to wash the dishes. There was like two guys over there. I was like, there was literally nothing for me to do. I was like, couldn't even find a place to get to work, and I can't remember, finally I went back to the stock room and started organizing and sorting there. But I was like, man, what's, this is weird. This is not the normal, what's happened? And, and you know what happened, don't you? Oh, yeah. The big boss came in. The big cheese came in. Big cheese came into the pizza place. And the guy who owned, not just managed the store, not just owned the store, but owned, like, most all the stores in Wichita. And he was there. So all of a sudden, everybody started working real hard, working like they should be working every day, but they only work that way when the boss was around. Christians shouldn't be that way. Christians should work, do their very best no matter what. Christians should honor God in the work they do by giving the best in all that they do. So we, we want to do our work, and when we do it, we want to do it reverently. Now, you think about the word reverence, what does it mean? The the technical definition is a deep respect, a holy fear of God. When you look at Isaiah chapter 6, and he has that vision of the throne room of heaven, and he, he comes into the presence of the Almighty God, and his reaction is, Whoa, it's me! And he, he's like, I'm a, peop, I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. You just get this sense of, of fear and holiness. That's reverence. Toward Almighty God. How do we do that in our work? I want, I want you to turn, I know we're in Colossians, but I want you to turn back to the very beginning, uh, Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, the story of creation continues, and there at the beginning, God does something. This is Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The scripture reads, the Lord God took the man, this man that he's created in his own image, 
And he put him in the garden of Eden, note this, to work it and keep it. You see, work began in the mind of God. He knew, even before sin entered the world, that you and I were wired with purpose. He gave Adam a unique purpose to tend to his garden. I have no doubt that each day as Adam went out to pull the weeds or to maybe trim the branches or or to uh, uh, add new uh, things into the garden or remove creatures that shouldn't be there, he had a very direct awareness that this was not his garden. He had not planted it, but he was harvesting it. He had not worked in it all his life. He was... was, uh, Tending to what God had called him to, it was God's garden, not Adam's garden. Now, if we can just begin to think in our little world about what you do, what you will do as a job this week. What has God called you to do? You think, well, I don't know, God, this is just to pay the bills. I mean, this is not a, I mean, I don't see myself. I mean, maybe God has you set up working in a place where you bring his electricity to people who need it. I mean, God forbid, we don't know what's going to happen in Florida, but I, I bet if the worst happens, there's going to be a whole bunch of cruise trucks from Westar Energy, places like that, that are heading down to Florida, right? Because they know that there are people down there who need power, and they're skilled to do that. Now, if you're an electrician, I want you to begin thinking of your given the ability to bless other people with the electricity that God made. If you're a doctor or a nurse, your job is to fix and mend and heal the body that God created. If you're a stay-at-home mom, your job is to raise the children that God began forming in your womb. And that's your purpose If you mow lawns for a living, you are trimming and making look good the grass that God began all the way back in Eden. If you're in construction, you're building homes to shelter people using lumber that God made. If you are a farmer, you you work and you plant and you harvest and you fertilize to bring food from the ground to feed the people. If you're a teacher, you're in, back in the mode now where every day you are teaching, not students, you're teaching souls who are made in the image of Almighty God. And your job is to teach them His truth about His world. Maybe, maybe you work at a, a wonderful restaurant where you get to serve His delicious chicken to those Maybe even those who have veered off the the straight and narrow path and gone to, to the false prophets of the chicken world. You say, who is that? I can't utter that name in this house. This is the Lord's house. We're, we're not gonna, not gonna go there. But, but may, you, you get my point. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Do it with reverence. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31, the apostle Paul writes, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. 
Whether you're an engineer, a teacher, a CFO, a web designer, a banker, electrician, a doctor, you work in IT, you work on plumbing, you're a lawyer, you're a farmer, you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever you do, do it all to God's glory. Sometimes we think it's about our glory, getting a bigger paycheck, getting more promotion, uh, moving right up the ladder. No, no, no. Your work, your purpose in being reverent in your work is reverently honoring God and what you do. Now, there may be a group of here th- this morning, and you're thinking, man, I'm, <laughs> this sermon is not for me. I do not need it uh, because I'm retired. And I'm retired from work, and I've done all the work that God called me to do in the Lord's kingdom. I'm, I'm just going to sit and let somebody else get involved. Mm. Let me see here. Let me find the verse for that. Uh, eh, eh. I don't see it here. Maybe you can enlighten me. Um, <laughs> listen. Retirees, you still have work to do. In fact, uh, more retirees I talk to, they say they're busier now than, than, than when they were working. You still have work to do. I, I want to tell you that I would not be where I was today if it was not for my grandmother, my great aunt, and uncle. And where I sat in church was like, would have been roughly about right over here. I mean, I was, I was a little, nervous, 13-year-old kid, and I was sitting here, because that's where my great aunt and uncle, they, they sat, and it was in the midst of all of these mostly retired folks. Do you know that they understood they still had work to do in the kingdom, and they invested in me, not just on Sunday, every day. You see, I didn't know Aunt Don and Uncle Keith when they were working in the working world. I knew them when they were retired. But they were not retired from God's kingdom. You see, they made an intentional choice to pour in, to be intergenerational long before that was even a thing, to be a growing young church long before that was even a thing. The reason I'm here is because of who they were there. Now, if you're a retiree, you still have work to do. Maybe it's signed up to be a prayer pal. Maybe it's investing in some of these students here. Maybe it's pouring into a grandson or a granddaughter or a great uh, uh, niece or nephew. Um, You don't think that you're finished just because you've reached your golden years. Your golden years may be the greatest opportunity to do the most good for God's people. So may you do it all to the glory of God. Are you working to the glory of God? Are you laying bricks or are you building a cathedral? May we... Move to verse 23. Not, I'm sorry, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. The NIV says, work at it with all your heart, working as for the Lord, not for human masters. Since work is a gift from God, may we do so passionately. Mediocrity does no one any good. Mediocrity does no one any good. In fact, it not only does not glorify God. It does not encourage people. I know I jokingly mentioned Chick-fil-A yesterday. I was there last night, you know, because there's the mandated period of fasting that we're in, so got to get ready. Saturday night, we go into the drive-thru, and there's a young man there, and he's taking our order. Now, now there's a way I've seen teenagers take an order in a drive-thru, and there's a way in which Chandler, the young man at 21st and May's Chick-fil-A, was taking it. 
He smiled. He used words like, it would be my pleasure. Hello, Mr. Lovering, it's good to see you again. He had passion. He had joy. Let me ask you, do you have that kind of joy where you work? You say, well, I'm not blessed enough to work at Chick-fil-A. I hear you. I know. I understand the struggle. But listen to me. Do you bring that kind of joy? When Jesus says, let your light shine before men, do you brighten up where you work? Do people look forward to see you, to seeing you come there? Is the office place a different place when you're not there? Do you bring joy and happiness and light into dark places? May we have passion. Let me tell you, there's really no substitute for passion. Let me show you a r- wonderful example of passion. Hey, Joaquin, I'm out here with Apollos Hester, wide receiver for the Patriots. You guys had one heck of a game tonight. Uh, how'd it go? I mean, it was going a little back and forth. You guys knew it was going to be a tough dogfight out there, and it was. So what were you guys able to do to come back and win this thing? All right, well, at first we started slow. We started real slow. And, you know, that's all right. That's okay, because sometimes in life you're going to start slow. That's okay. We, we, we told ourselves, hey, we're going to start slow. We're going to keep going fast. We're going to start slow, but we're always, always going to finish fast. No matter what the score was, we're going to finish hard. We're going to finish fast. Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to lie. They had us. We weren't defeated, but they had us. But it took guts it took an attitude that's all it takes that's all it takes to be successful is an attitude and that's what our coach told us he said he said hey it's gonna be tough it's gonna be hard you're gonna go out there you're gonna battle you're gonna fight you're gonna do it for one you're gonna do it for one another do it for each other you're gonna do it for yourself you're gonna do it for us and you're gonna go out with this win and we believe that we truly did and it's, it's an awesome feeling it's an awesome feeling when you truly believe that you're going to be successful regardless of the situation regardless of the scoreboard you're going to be successful because you put in all the time all the effort all the hard work and you know that it's going to pay off and if it doesn't pay off you continue to give God the glory if you still lose the game you continue to get each other's back and that and that's what we realized regard when or lose we realized that we were going to be all right it was going to be okay we're going to we're going to keep smiling it was awesome awesome Paul's always got a smile on his face talk about attitude this guy's got attitude if you guys can't tell uh we met earlier this week and uh this was the enthusiasm I saw mindset Yes, ma'am. Hey, you can do anything you put your mind to. Never give up on your dreams. Keep smiling. No matter what you're going through, if you fall down, just get up. If you can't get up, your friends are there to help you up. Your mom is there. Your daddy's there. God's there. Hey, I'm there to help you up. You're there. It's going to be all right. Just keep smiling, man. Man, along with all the football highlights you guys have gotten tonight, some motivational speaking courtesy of Apollo Sester. Man, great game tonight, buddy. Yes, so yes, ma'am. Thank happy you. for you guys. You. Uh, this guy with one touchdown and a whole lot of right. sass coming out here. <laughs> For the Eastview Patriots. All right, guys, we'll send it back to you. (laughs) Isn't passion contagious? Look what Apollos Hester, this guy that you don't even know, look what he did to this room when he brought some passion, maybe at a game you don't even love. But let me tell you, Apollos is going places. I mean, if you're a business owner, you want to hire a guy like Apollos. But can I tell you the truth? The truth is, Apollos is probably going to hire some of us. I mean, he's going places because of his passion, because of his enthusiasm, because of that second mile attitude. That's the way Christians ought to be. We ought to have that kind of passion going into our work. And whatever work we do, we ought to have a heart for doing it and the passion that drives it. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two. 
How do we do that? Because that's a person who's driven by passion. Drives me crazy when people are just bare minimum. Well, it's not my job. Somebody else will do it. Oh, I'd rather somebody else handle that. Passion, people. That's what we need. Not just in the pews, but we need it in our workplaces. Because it makes a difference. That's letting our light shine. Jesus' followers are not called to be paycheck players. I mean, that guy, I don't know, Jim, maybe we ought to get him in for Tennessee. Maybe help him out a little bit. (laughs) Jesus' followers are to be passionate and purpose-driven. Not necessarily because who they are, but because of who's working inside of them. Are you laying bricks or are you passionately building a cathedral? Let's go to verse 24 of Colossians chapter 3. Knowing... Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. You see, if we're to depict this visually, this is what Colossians 3.24 says. When we think about our work, we think about, well, it's me and the, you know, the boss, my direct report, whoever. It's who is reporting to me and who do I report to and who do, who do I need to please? And Colossians 3.24 says, uh, if you're thinking about it that way, you're thinking about it all wrong. You're seeking to please the Lord. And yes, you have a boss, you have people over you, but you are working to serve Christ and to please Him in all you do. That being the case, may we be sure to do whatever work we do and do it well. Do it with excellence. Bring excellence into our work because excellence glorifies God and blesses other people. You can be excellent in the small things and the big things, but whatever you do, may you do it with excellence. If you're just a temp worker and you just hire on, you know, starting Tuesday, may you bring excellence like you were the CEO and you've been running that company for two decades. May you bring excellence to every single thing you do. Not because you're serving your boss, it's because you're serving Christ, may we bring excellence in the ordinary. May we be grateful to God for the work that he gave us to do and that he has given us the opportunity to glorify him. May we thank him as we work hard and go to bed tired each day. May we praise him for the gifts that he has given us to help make this world a better place. May we appreciate the good days and the hard days at work. May we be humble, teachable, coachable, hardworking, complaint-free employees. May we be exemplary bosses with servant-like hearts who lead people like Jesus led them. May the gospel shape both our work habits and our work attitudes. May we work motivated by love for him and also for those whom our work benefits. May we avoid both the sin of laziness by not working enough and the sin of greed and idolatry in working too much. May we avoid distractions or any technology that will hinder our work instead of helping it. May you and I be joyful, productive, patient, creative, and focused workers. May we bless our workplace by shining the light of Christ in front of watching co-workers. May we bless our bosses by serving them well, even when they aren't around. 
May we remember that we are serving Christ, and so may we strive to be excellent in the ordinary. May you and I never be satisfied with mediocre work. May we, like Jesus, go the second mile at every opportunity. May we take responsibility to make things better. May we lead instead of sniping. May we encourage instead of discouraging. May we be problem solvers and not just problem finders. May our mouths be full of grace and truth. May we maximize God's glory in all our work. And in all our work, may we fix our eyes on hearts on Jesus and the work that he did at the cross. The grace which we could not earn. Rest that we could not otherwise experience. And a living hope that will fuel us to the glory of God. You see, this matters because God has called us to work. Now, I found this video, I thought it was an excellent example of, of excellence in the ordinary. But you know what the top comment on this video was? This video should be called, quote, How You Work When Your Boss Is Nearby. A bunch of people agreed with that statement. If you were agreeing with that statement, I'd hope you agree with it in this sense. That's how you work when the boss is nearby, which, by the way, is all the time. Colossians 3.24 reminds us that the boss is always nearby. And because he is, our, our work, our passion, our creativity, our joy should overflow into our work lives. I'll finish with one final story that is told by Tim Keller about a young lady who walked into the church where he serves But this lady was not a believer, not a Christ follower at all. This is the first time she had ever been to a church. So she met Tim, and they were conversing, and he finally got around to, well, what brings you here this morning? Tim serves at a church in New York City. A lot of people right from the world, a lot of people very ungodly. This woman herself said that she was not a believer. And the natural question is, well, why was she, what, what in the world was she there for? Why was she there? How did she get there? And she told this story. She worked for a company in Manhattan, a, a big company that you would know well, multi-millions of dollars, uh, owned a part of a section of offices in a high-rise there in Manhattan. And not long after she started working this dream job, she made a big mistake that almost, she thought, would surely cost her her job. She was very new. It was a big mistake. cost the company some money. But something unusual happened. Her boss, her direct, the, 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 the guy that was overseeing her, he went to his boss, and he took responsibility for that young lady's mistake. And he took total responsibility, as a true leader does, and it cost him something. He, was, he cost him some political capital. It cost, cost him the ability, some of his reputation. It cost him his ability to, to do some things he wanted to do in the company. He gave up some of himself for her. And she hadn't been working there that long. And she was just completely blown away. When she figured out what had happened, she immediately went to his office and she closed the door And she thanked him profusely, obviously. 
Then she said, why in the world did you do that? I've worked for a lot of companies, and the supervisors were always jumping in to take credit when I had done something good, but never in my working life have I had a supervisor take the blame when it was genuinely my mistake. Why on earth did you do that? Well, he was modest. He kind of tried to deflect her question, but she insisted. She was adamant. She wanted to know what was his motivation for taking the blame for her mistake. And finally, he just looked her right in the eye and he said, I'm a Christian. And what that means to me is that God accepts me because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. Because what the work that he did was, he took the blame for my mistakes, for my sin, for my shortcomings. And because he did that for me, I try to do that for other people. When I have the opportunity, I will take the blame for someone else's mistake. He did that on the cross. That's why I did that for you. Because I have the desire to do for others what God has done for me. She stared at him, eyes like saucers, jaw almost on the floor, unable to respond, unable to even fully understand or comprehend. And finally, after a few awkward seconds, she just said and stammered out, "Uh, uh, where, where exactly do you go to church? And that's when she showed up. You see, our work gives us an opportunity to, to participate in the work of God. So when may we participate in the work of God by being faithful in our trade? 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. You and I have the opportunity to be, not just to build, but to be God's cathedral. To build our lives and our work lives in a way that people not look at us and glorify us. They come to us and they see within us the work of Almighty God. They see our light and they praise our Father who's in heaven. This morning, if you do not know Jesus, I want to tell you that he was not just a teacher and a rabbi. He was a carpenter. But his work, his greatest work, was none of those things. His greatest work was what he did for you and I at the cross. He became sin so that we might be sinless in the eyes of God. And he said the only way to accept that free gift of grace is simply to believe and be baptized. And so if you're ready to do that this morning, to participate in the work of God and to begin with a journey with Jesus, this morning's a wonderful time to do that. Not just to see the work of God, but to participate in the work of God. If you're ready to do that this morning, won't you come forward as together we stand and sing.